Well, welcome everyone to this week's Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Leidig, and we are honored to have a special guest today. So today's show is going to be a little bit different, and um, I'm so happy she was able to to make it on. And uh, we are uh, going to be graced with Elaine Ireland. Um, Elaine is a longtime friend of mine. I think it's been maybe 10 years, you think, Elaine? At least. About at least. that, around yeah, 2008, I think. Yeah. Uh, we met uh, whenever I was speaking at one of Pat O'Brien's events years ago on seminar. And um, I was immediately drawn to this magical woman. <laughs> and uh, and she challenged me in some really fun ways because, uh, as many of you know, um, I grew up in the church, very strict, you know, rules on what is good and what isn't. And one of the, you know, one of the things that I was always discouraged away from were you know, psychics and people like that, you know, they were all evil and bad and all of that. And then I met (laughs) Elaine and I discovered, wow, she isn't evil and bad, but yet here's this woman who's um, using an evil quote unquote tarot deck and reading people's futures and all of this kind of stuff. And so I wanted to know more and um, she offered to give me a reading back then and uh, it was so amazingly accurate. It just kind of blew me away, actually. And uh, it really caused me, our interaction really caused me to rethink a lot of things that I had believed. And uh, it began a, a really cool journey over the last 10 years. Uh, we've talked on the phone many times uh, through thick and thin through some of my life craziness at times. And uh, and uh, every time that I'm in Texas, uh, we connect and uh, spend time together because she's just that kind of person. Uh, you just want to be around her. Uh, and uh, very old soul. And I appreciate that about her. I know whenever I went through my dark night period of time back you know, gosh, nine years ago now, um, in the space of two months, I lost my dog, my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, my cousin, uh, my divorce was finalized. My daughter moved away. It was a kind of a sucky couple months, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, through, uh, many friends, encouragements, including Elaine, it really helped focus me and get me back on track. Uh, and one of the things that I love about Elaine as well is that she has a really great story of how she, um, what led her to do what she does today. And so, uh, Elaine, I was wondering if you could share a little bit of how you got started in all of this. Like, what did you discover or realize whenever you were young? Like, I'm not necessarily like all the other kids or, you know, maybe I have a little more insider information than some. That starts with my grandmother. My grandmother came here from Ireland, and she really was one of those wonderful farm ranch, came from one of those wonderful farm ranch 
families in the middle of Ireland that didn't have doctors, they didn't, um, they didn't have telephones, they had to use who they were as a person and as a soul to communicate and do what they needed to do. So consequently, she could birth a baby as well as she could birth a pig if needed <laughs> and knew what was going on with the neighbors five miles down the road, whether she knew their names or not, somebody was in trouble. The psychic stuff, the healing ability, the I wish I had had more time with her because I would love to have learned her how she made her pulses, no matter how stinky they were. They worked. Right. But I grew up with, I'm sorry, what, Tony? I was just what? acknowledging what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up, <clears throat> what little bit of time I feel like I had with her before she passed, it was accepted. You went with your gut. You trusted the voices in your head. You weren't crazy. You were encouraged to depend on yourself and to communicate mentally and emotionally, body language. You were encouraged. And then all of a sudden, when my mom married my stepdad, very military, very formal, very strict, we were, and he was okay with it. He was fine. He grew up in a large Italian family, so kind of the same. But... When we went to Italy, when I was barely five, it was right after the war, and it was encouraged there also. That was a time frame. I was born in 44. So that was a time, rate, a time frame when Europe was going through their fairies and uh, ghosty stuff and trying to take pictures of all this weird weirdness. So it was accepted. Came, we were there for about four or five years, came home, eight months, went to Germany. Same thing in Germany. So I was removed from the from the American. You're not supposed to do this thing. Gotcha. And able to be encouraged overseas. And my mom was with it. She had it too. Just chose not to use it in in the public. But yeah, first day of school before we went to Italy. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, first day of school before we left. I get in trouble because one of the kids on the playground falls, skins her knee, pretty bad, pretty bad. And I run over and I put my hand on it and I start saying the Lord's Prayer. Hmm. And now this is El Paso, Texas, and very Catholic town. And the next thing I know, my uh, my long blonde curly hair is in the principal's office, and I'm being declared a bad person. Wow. So that yeah, that kind of shut things down for a while. But at the same time, in my surroundings, in my home, it was encouraged, and I'm I was very blessed for that. Very blessed. So throughout my life, I've plus my grandfather read the cards. I've always had the cards in the Bible, and my grandfather was a preacher. I know, weird mix. But, <laughs> you know, we all have our stories, and that's mine. Yeah. That's, that's it. Now, you shared with me um, several years ago about some um, experimenting that you did courtesy of the government, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Yeah, that was when we were in it, when we were in Germany. Um, I was attacked, and I ended up in um, in a hospital in Frankfurt, which was we were in Hanau, which was then like a small sub a small town, and our base didn't have fancy facilities, so they took uh, they took me to uh, to Frankfurt, and at that time, overseas they were experimenting with psychic abilities. And, well, 
was an extension, trying to figure out how it worked, if it worked, if it was real, although everybody on the team uh, knew there was something there. And they were beginning to work with, um, uh, what is the sensory, sensory deformation, deform, I can't say that word correctly, deformation, deformation. where they put you in a pond, yeah, yeah. and they, they put you in a, a, a watering float, and no... No sound, no light, no nothing. And here I am, a kid, scared to death. But what started all of this was when they airlifted me to Frankfurt, I'm speaking in Portuguese. Wow. And I'm, none of us speak Portuguese. Well, <laughs> one, of the, one of the attendees on the flight could understand me. And, and he was trying to communicate. Well, I was out of it completely. But what started it was the... Uh, sound that the rotors make to me it sounded like horses hooves hmm. and i was trying to run and i was saying in portuguese run 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 and, and other short terms and when i woke up i'm in this hospital and and scared of course and they're trying to speak to me somebody on the staff was speaking to me in then french and i didn't understand a word they said well my mother was there of course and she's going out i she couldn't admit she understood. She couldn't say, I know what's going on. But she let a few people know. Well, that drew attention to me from the doctors that were doing the experimenting. And there I was kind of stuck as right. a minor. And because it was military, they had to go along for a while. And they even kept me in the hospital longer than necessary to continue the experiments. And I had to do through wall visualizations and it was it was a mess and i finally said i'm done even as a kid i said i'm done mom take me home take me home i'm done i didn't see any point in it i knew who i was i knew i knew what my abilities were and i didn't care whether the medical profession understood it or not so right I was, but it was scary it was scary and it was they do different kinds of testing now than they did then, more sophisticated testing. Mm -hmm. And there were, there was more testing as a young adult, but with my consent through Trinity University at, in San Antonio and uh, San Antonio, Texas. And that had to do, which eventually became part of the night vision stuff. We didn't know that at the time. And we didn't know, our group didn't know that it was Air Force based and sponsored, but there you have it. There was more of that, which went on to be good stuff for, for you. So did that involve like remote viewing and those types of things? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know fun. that there's a lot that of emphasis fun. even today on remote viewing and that kind of stuff. Well, you know, during World War II, particularly, psychics were used by the military. And it became kind of a, a scary kind of time for those folks because the military would literally show up on their doorsteps and say, you're coming with me, and without consent, basically. And right. they would be whisked off to a military base or a hotel, and they could be held for months, years. Over There was a man in, in uh, New York that worked with the government willingly for probably three or four years mm -hmm. and supposedly tracked movement, enemy movement tracking, and, um, and he, he acted as a bird 
that's that another word for remote viewing is that flying over something, astro traveling, so to speak, right. and seeing what's going on. So it's, um, yeah, psychics have been a part of the military and a part of, of corporate spying forever, forever. Just doesn't make the newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> now, when did you make a conscious decision that this is something you wanted as part of your life path? Like, you know what, I'm embracing this fully, I'm just going to, this is who I am, and it's what I'm going to do. As a kid, it was. It's like you and your photography. Right. You grew up with it. You didn't stop and think, I'm going to pick up a camera and I'm going to be awesome with it. You just did it. Yeah. And that, that was what I did. Now, as an adult, coming back into, I came back here and turned 13 within 30, less than 30 days from the time we hit the ground here and my dad retired. At that point, I was busy being a teenager and then I got married and had kids, but I never stopped doing this. Right. I did my first reading for the public when I was 17 and that oh, wow. was the mother, that was the mother of a friend of mine mm-hmm. with my mother's permission. And I didn't think about it as being something that I couldn't or wouldn't do. The times I've taken breaks, it's because I've been raising babies, had a business, lived life, that sort of thing. But I never completely put the cards down. They were always at arm's length. My psychic ability, always right there, ready to go to work if somebody needed it. When it's been 12 years ago now, uh, I was doing real estate and doing doing very well and teaching classes and wearing myself very thin and spirit kept coming to me in meditation or driving down the street and they say you're going to have to choose pretty soon you can't do both well i'd always done both in the past whatever the both was so i was confused about that but finally pushed and pushed and pushed and they said what whatever you give up you will never be able to return to that scared me yeah. I was making a good living as a real estate agent. I don't want right. to give that up. I'm having fun <laughs> and helping people. and But I knew that I could never walk away from this. This is literally in my DNA. Literally. So it's it's been that time frame that I, I took care of my clients, my listings and all of that, and then I literally walked away from it, and I haven't looked back, nor have I regretted it. And this is a full-time thing for me, full-time. I teach three different levels of tarot. I teach a history class of tarot, chakra, or basic psychic development courses, which includes art development and reading. So I stay, I stay busy and plus the readings. So I don't work with the police departments very much anymore. I'll work with families if they request help and do that for free, of course. Right. And, uh, but I haven't in a while. There hasn't been the need in a while. Nor do I volunteer information anymore if I get it on cases. Unless yeah. it drags on and on and on. Yeah, because you have worked with uh, police um, scenarios before, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot back 30, 40 years ago. A okay. lot. But not, not... Because I've done this for so long for the public... My clients know they can call, right. and I would much rather work directly with a family than through a police department. Right. And 
occasionally carry a cold case and and I'll call some of my buds and we'll help. I mean, the answer is always yes, always, if somebody calls. So can you share um, uh, a couple really cool stories or experiences that you've had with folks? With folks or with finding folks? Well, just... uh, in general, like if you look back over over your life, what are some of the highlights that have really made your heart happy or that really stand out to you? Oh, one of my favorites is a, three teachers, three young teachers, all single. They're in their early 30s, and, and they were excited about taking a, a long European trip. And they were doing it first class and going to have a great time and so excited. And one of the girls that I read for, they all came together. One of the girls that I read for, I kept getting a bowler hat, a bowler hat, a bowler hat. Well, they were going to England, so we just kind of laughed it off. And I said, no, this is different. This is not when you're in England. This is, uh, this is there's water. Well, they were doing a Caribbean part on the way home. Hmm. And, and we, we joked about it and we laughed about it. And they said, oh, we'll, we'll make sure and take pictures with bowler hats on. Well... We didn't have cell phones then and Skype and all of that. So they said, we'll send you pictures. Okay. I get this phone call. <clears throat> and one of the girls, all three of them had been, they were, they, I don't remember what island they were on, but one of the very touristy Caribbean islands. And they were having dinner in a very nice restaurant. And then they were going to do some dancing and so forth. And, of course, guys were flirting with them and having a good time. And they, they were invited as a group to join a, a breakfast cruise the next morning on a private yacht. Well, of course, they were a little bit reluctant, being ladies that they were, but the guys assured them that there would be at least 30 people on the boat. They could come see the boat in the morning, and if they were uncomfortable, they didn't have to board. Okay, so they all got on, and these guys are a mix of Europeans. They're not, they're not locals, they're Europeans. So they get on the boat and they're doing their thing and sure enough, the boat is full of lovely people and they could tell they were in a high class situation and the boat was beautiful and as they're taking this thing around the boat, the tour around the boat, this picture pops out and obviously this boat is not a rental. It belongs to somebody, their private private little tuck piece sitting around and pictures hung on the wall and that sort of thing. And one of the girls, who was also attracted to this very nice young man, sees a young man in a picture with the king of England, the queen of England at the time, and other notable, she didn't say anything, until they got to one other one, and that was two pictures where he wore a boulder hat. Hmm. And she said, you're royalty. And he said, yes, I'm sorry, I am. And he was, oh, I guess you'd call him a secondary, third-dairy prince, somewhere down the road, not anybody that you're going to see on television unless they make a point of it. Right. Well, two years later, they were married, Boulder Hat and all, and it became a joke. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the girls also, excuse me, married one of the high finance people of England. And so within three years, their, their lives were totally changed because of a Boulder Hat. 
Well, but that's I, awesome. I love that because yeah, because they're still together, and that was so long ago. I have grandchildren. You know, it's great. Yeah, there have been some some really neat situations where live. I told a girl one time, <clears throat> you need to go to Vegas, but not to gamble. You need to be a tourist. Don't even go to the Strip if you can avoid it. Go and do as many cultural things as you can. And she said, because Liber- Liberace's museum fit that description because she'd always wanted to go. And I said, sure, go play tourist. Stay away from the gambling. Stay away from the shows. Go to the Painted Desert. Go do those things. And she said, okay, well, my mom wants to go, so I'm going to take her. I said, great. And, and I said, who's the blue-haired lady? And she said, that's my mom. I said, her hair is going to get you a lot of attention. Okay. So they go to Vegas. And she calls, and she says, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, you want a million dollars. We joked about it. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, I took my mom to Liberace's Museum. We had a lovely afternoon. A young man flirted with me. And come to find out, he was the curator's son, and we're going to be dating. And his uncle is not leaving my mom alone. (laughs) So... They both came home with romantic interests because uh, they both followed spirit's direction. Right. Which, well, I know um, some of the readings that you've given me, um, you know, especially years ago, they all seem to be uh, focused on relationships or whatever, and also business. And and it's funny, over the years I've gone back and um, some of them we recorded audio and others I took notes on. And I've gone back and reviewed those, um, you know, because even though I'm very open to a lot of things that, uh, you know, that spirit does, there's always at times, you know, like, uh, is this legit? Is this for real? I mean, you know, you want it, you want to make sure or believe that it's going to be what it is, but uh, it's easy to second guess sometimes. And my experience has been, uh, in going back and looking over all of those things. I mean, because it seems so random that here you are, you know, you're with another person, they have this deck of cards, they shuffle them up, you ask a question, the cards are laid out, and then all of a sudden, here are these supposed secrets, right? And, and it just seems so random to an outside viewer. But in my experience, um, every single thing has happened. You know, I mean, like even being married to Kristen now, you described that five, six years ago. Uh, And we were barely friends back then, you know. And so it's just been kind of fun for me to to watch it, especially coming into it from the background that I had. I mean, I always knew that there was more and I was always a questioner and all of that. And and then when I got married to my first wife, she was very much a, a seer type. And so as a result... Um, you know, we had a lot of interesting things happen and I know you're aware of some of those, uh, crazy events that happened too, and like the energy vortexes here in the house and some of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've, I've encountered people over the years that have said, well, that's not real or that's of the devil or that, you know, is whatever. 
But here's the reality. The reality is that whenever uh, something presents itself or spirit manifests in a way that's unexpected, that doesn't fit into your paradigm, there's no denying that it's real. Like you can tell me that it's not real all day long, but it doesn't change the fact that here it is, you know? It's like the first time my grandmother um, came to me. You know, I couldn't see her with my eyes, but I had a conversation with her as much as we're having a conversation now. And so you could say, well, you know, your grandparents don't come back and visit you. They're in heaven or wherever. And so you must have been deceived or making it up or going slightly crazy, which could be a debatable fact. But, um, but here's... Here's the thing. This is where the rubber meets the road. Once again, I had the experience. I can't deny it. Just like the flying saucers flying overhead. I can't deny it. It was theirs. You know, so you're not going to convince me otherwise. It is what it is. And that's one of the things I love about it. Uh, so many people tend to put um, what's possible into a box. And some boxes are bigger, some are smaller, depending on how far they've been stretched or what their own personal beliefs are. But one thing that I've been grateful in discovering over this course of the last 55 years or so of my life is that we can't define what's possible. We can't define what spirit can do uh, or not do. Um, because it's always bigger than what we can imagine. And I love that because I can imagine a lot, but yet there's always more. You know, we're not just limited to what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears. You know, we're, there's such a bigger world out there um, that works on our behalf to help us. And I appreciate that help. I have to tell you, I'll make this as short as I can because... This this states what you've just said about evidence. Many years ago, I was in my early 20s, so it's been 50, some, some odd years. There was a, a, a serial killer in Corpus Christi, in the Corpus Christi area. And he was targeting young girls with children with Volkswagen. That's another story. But all young children, all young girls, most of them light-haired. There were like six of them. Now, Corpus Christi at that time was not a big place. Corpus Christi, Padre Island was not huge. It was very limited. And John Ketchings, who was a fantastic uh, uh, psychic out of, out of Dallas, I had known John since he was a kid throwing baseballs in the back door. And he grew up to be this wonderful criminalist. That was his specialty. So much so that one of the cops on the Dallas police force retired to be his bodyguard and to travel with him. And then there was Jane Pori, who was an American Indian, who just was a visualist extraordinaire. She was wonderful. And then another young lady that I did not know. The four of us were called in at various times, and some of us worked as teams together also, individually in teams, to help with this. I'm in Austin, Texas. John was in Dallas. We all eventually went there. Well, every single one of us kept getting things that referred to King Arthur and, like, street names, Guinevere. I mean, 
all of us, every single one of us, would get something that had to do with King Arthur. And we could see all of them in water. Well, of course, Corpus Christi's on the bay. You know, that made perfect sense. But we kept saying, no, not that kind of water. All four of us. Okay. They, they couldn't find anything. Nothing. Nothing. The girls just poofed out. And their cars poofed out. Okay, gone. It was about at least nine years later, I get this phone call from one of the mothers. And she said, I had a dream. And I said, okay, I'm with you. What's your dream? And she said, for the first time, I saw my daughter in a hole, a concrete hole. And I went, oh, my God, septic tanks. Of course, septic tanks. So I called the three leading police officers, uh, investigators. All three of them were retired. John Ketchings, I called John. The other girls I didn't know how to get a hold of anymore. They tracked them down. And I said, let's, let's reopen this. Take a fresh eye. And I called, John called in one guy from New York. I called in a girl from California. I said, fresh eye. Not going to tell you anything. Here you go. Okay. They got the same things we did. King Arthur, King Arthur. So I called the mom who had since moved to Oklahoma. And I said, do you know what's going on in Corpus Christi right now? Is there anything King Arthur-ish? She said, I don't know. And in the meantime, I called the cop, the retired cop, and he said, oh, my gosh. Of course. He said what had happened was there was a, a, a land developer that was in the area at the time. They built about 150 houses or so in this one area. All together, beautiful. I mean, boat docks came up to it, the whole thing. Under a different name, he said, but right now, over the last four or five years, it has been sold, and it's under a new name, and they finished out that area. They changed names and everything because it was in such a bedraggled state. The developers hadn't taken care of it, so they just revitalized it. Well... He took some black and whites and he sent them to me, and it was it was called King Arthur's Court. Wow. He said, those girls are in those septic tanks, aren't they? And I said, it's a place to start. So the six of us by then got together and said, let's try to make this as easy on the finders as possible, because they're going to have to they're going to have to dig these things up. Sure enough, those girls were found or their remains. Now, these are septic tanks. You would think everything would be completely dissolved. But they did manage to find all nine bodies, which opened the door because he had, this kid had worked for the septic people. That's how he had the connection. He put the the cars in, in the water, in the bay. Of course, they couldn't find any of those. But it also connected him to seven other murders in Louisiana. Wow. We had to wait. The world had to wait. He was already in jail on something else. But the world had to wait until the names showed up to find those remains and connect him to the other seven. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. What bothered they? I think Spirit did it that way because there was nothing really to find in the way of a body. 
And fortunately, all but three of the parents of the Corpus Christi bunch were were still alive, mm-hmm. and they could get their closure, their right. their human breathing closure. But that was one of the oddest cases that I've ever worked on. And in our group, there's such a thing as the find, the find. It may not be my find. It may be yours. Right. The mother had the dream. She opened the wall to all of us. Right. Yeah, she saw her daughter in a, in a hole. So it's, we never know how it's going to show up. We never know how things are going to be connected. And what made it really cool was the guy was already in jail. All they had to do was go get him. Right. That was it. And yeah, and they tracked it because the way they decided to track it was let's see who worked. Let's as many names as we possibly can from all of the contractors, which was not easy because a lot of people were paid under the table cash. But the contractors willingly gave all of the names that they had including the septic people, of course. They were the first ones they went to. And the diggers. They went to the people who managed the, the, the big trucks and the diggers. So you never know how things are going to unfold or, or be, be solved, if you want to call it that word. Right. But thankfully, that's what happened. And that's a piece of solidity that nobody, science, no laboratory, can take away. It happened. Right. It happened. And it was documented. It just took years to make it happen. Right. Now, there's a lot of people, um, perhaps even many, that are uh, either here with us live or are listening to the replay um, that have had some kind of inkling that they have, that there's something more uh, to who they are as a person. Maybe they just know things or they can... Uh, like the phone rings and they know who it is before they look, you know, things like that. Or they have these really vivid dreams that seem to mean something, but they're not sure why. Um, but there's like always this knowing or or something like that. But yet they never really considered it as a gift or as just part of who they are or, you know, whatever. What kind of advice could you offer um, people who are like that. Don't let, and I'm going to say it, don't let religion, don't let fear, don't let social pressure get in your way of personal development. I firmly believe that every single person, I don't care how smart you are, I don't care if you're uh, brain damaged, I don't care if you come in retarded, and I get to say that because my oldest son was retarded, Everybody has an ability. Cops will say it all the time. We know in our gut. I have a fever. Help us prove it. It's okay for parents to know what their kids are doing because we're connected. We've got a best friend. It's okay. But it's not okay in some people's world if I know what's happening with a total stranger. Everybody has, you're born with this instinct. It's, I don't care what you call it, psychic, instinct, gut, everybody has it. You know when to slow down, and sure enough, there's a police officer on the side of the road down the hill. He's going to get you. 
there, we know we can look at somebody, tell they're sick. Oh, I, you're not feeling well today. Walk into a room, cut the energy with a knife. Sure enough, somebody's had a fight. Mm-hmm. It's our instinct. Right. Use it. Use it. It's normal. It's human. It's normal. It's based on feeling. Feeling. That's a, everybody has a feeling. We can look at a person and say, oh my God, they're cold. They are so cold. Well, maybe they're protecting their feelings. It's based on feeling slash instinct. We get in our own way. Now, there's an ethics thing that goes on with that in our world. Mm-hmm. I don't, ethically, I'm not supposed to walk up to a stranger and say, do you know you have heart problems? Well, my business. <laughs> they probably already know. Right. But we need permission to share information as a professional. Now, your best friend can look at you and say, get your, get your butt to the doctor. Something's going on in there. Your skin color's different. Your eyes are not the same shade of yellow they used to be. You know, and we're okay with that. But that's based on our friend knows us. But maybe the yellow hasn't changed in our eyes, but that's the signal they're getting. It's normal, folks. Use it. We hear teachers, police officers, teachers. We hear medical professional people. One of the most profound thing I ever heard a nurse say, I was in the, at the hospital with my grandma, and we were at the tail end of, and there were a bunch of, of, of kids outside being a little rowdy outside their parents' place room, and a nurse came and asked the parents to ask them to please quieten down because the lady next door was, quote unquote, trying to die. Hmm. Crying. Now, she knew the lady was sick, and she knew she was probably on her last hour, but the word trying was very powerful. She knew that that woman did not have that long. Right. Uh, so, people, please use it. Please use your instincts. I, if, you, if you're uncomfortable saying psychic, that's okay. That's fine. But use your instincts. It will protect you, and it will help you. Please. Yeah, I know please, uh, please. years ago, whenever I was married to my first wife, we um, we we did a lot. We were involved in the church. I co-pastored a church back then for a while. And um, one of the things that we noticed was that, like, we did a lot of work with prayer teams and intercessors and folks like that. And, of course... On the opposite side of that now, I can see where it really is all the same thing. I mean, it just all worked the same. And we did a lot of training of helping people tune in to those abilities. And we would do things like uh, line up people back to back and then uh, and then shuffle so that they had no idea who was behind them. And then um, turn around and say the first thing that comes into their mind. You know, uh, and so we would do things like that, and folks were amazed at at the kinds of things that just came to them. You know, just listening to their intuition, as you said. Another thing that we would do is we'd walk down through a mall, and we would look at different people, and then we would compare notes of what came to us, uh, just to kind of see if we're full of crap or if we were really tuning in or whatever. And 
um, 99% of the time we were both hearing the exact same kinds of things. But so I know for a fact, but just even from my own experience that practice makes better because it's more of us out of the way uh, so that we become a cleaner vessel that we can uh, hear spirit talking to us. And um, that leads me to a question that William uh, just asked <clears throat> that really goes along with this, I think. Um, why do the spirits wait so long to share with us what they want us to know? Like in the Galvin or the uh, Corpus case that you had shared. Like, why does it sometimes seem like, you know, it'd be great to get those answers like immediately, <laughs> but that doesn't always happen that way. You know, William, thank you for the question, and that's both simple and complicated. Um, it's simple in the sense that we have to be ready to receive the answer. That doesn't mean that we have to be ready to do anything about it. We get to that point eventually, hopefully, but first we have to hear it. Remember the remember the game gossip as a kid? You'd sit kids in a corner and you'd say one word, like, I like peanuts. But by the time it got back around, it was you're nutty, or nuts wasn't even in it. It changes from person to person and time frame to time frame. So we have to be ready to hear it. And then we go through the process of what, what, if anything, do we do? Do we need to do anything about it? The complicated part, like corpus, is that, unfortunately, I believe in karma, and unfortunately there's a timing that goes along with karma. Again, people have to be ready. Now, that group of people, for whatever reason, and I'm not even going to go getting in complicated with that, you've got, first of all, let me remind everybody, we are not on this planet by ourselves. Things do not happen to, for, or because of just us. It's a, it's a group effort, if you want to call it that. So you have the girls that disappeared, the parents, the people that love them, the officers. Okay, that was then. We had to wait to get this guy in jail. Plus, he also, unfortunately, took the lives of other people. That's a different group. Notice he went from state to state. And there may have been others, but we will never know about because he, he shut down. But we have to wait until everybody is complete in the event. And we don't like it always. We don't. Another thing that had to happen in Corpus was that these septics were, were we had to, they had to go on private property. And they did it in a very legal way, but they said, please don't make us spend tax mayor's, mayor, uh, taxpayers' money by making you do this and us going to court. Please say yes. The city will repair your property. Okay, that had to be done. Now... We have to wait sometimes for everybody to be in their place like puzzle pieces so that it really will come to a closure. William, does that answer William's question? Well, and I think another thing that plays into it, and it's essentially a lot of what you're saying here, is context. Like yes. you mentioned about how each of the psychics that you were working with kept hearing the same thing you know, about King Arthur and all of that. And and, all four of it, yeah. Right, and without having any context of what that even means, like it was a very accurate insight, but without the context of what that means, then it becomes a guessing game or to gain more clarity or for everything to fall into place, like you were saying. 
you know, what's interesting about that particular situation is that the developers that went in there couldn't complete the project, and it was a mess. Pretty homes were built, but it was a mess, and it didn't have a name. It really did not have a pretty gate that said such and such. Right. We had to wait, and we had to wait until it became identifiable. Well, and do you think that that some of the reason why it was a mess was because there was an energetic disconnect because of what happened there? Oh, I totally. They got twelve pieces of property completed. That was it. Twelve. And then the streets never got completed. I mean, it was it was really terrible, terrible. And it just stayed that way hmm. until the King Arthur people came in and made it a really beautiful place. And it still is. But you know what? The people that lived there petitioned to have it changed, and all of the street names changed. Hmm. And a lot of the streets are named after some of the first 20 people, families that moved into that area in honor of those people. And some wow. of them are named after the girls that were, uh, I think all all of the girls are remembered. Oh, that's great. Which is, which is kind of sad to me on one hand, but it, you're right. We have to, as humans, we have to see that. We can't guess that that area is eventually going to be named King Arthur. Of course. Right. Right. There's no way. Right. Because it happened years later. So we have it, it has to be identifiable to us as humans. Now we have a few minutes left, and I've really appreciated uh, everything that you shared here. Um, it just kind of reinforces the fact that I need to get down to Texas and and visit <laughs> again. <laughs> Come when but, the fairies. Are, I mean, you fairies when the fireflies are in full bloom. I have. To to take you to that park. There are millions yeah. of them. Your camera would just have a blast. I'm, I'm sure it would. I know. Well, you're the one that got me down there to photograph the bluebells, and I absolutely love that. Just, blue bonnets? Oh, yeah. Blue bonnets, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Um, so, me being who I am and and you being here, I'm, I'm kind of required of my own choice to ask you about UFOs and aliens. Ah. Have you ever had any experiences with those? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of knew the answer to that question, so it was a bit rhetorical. You know, I I do not remember if I have ever been taken to a ship or not. I I do not know that. But in flesh and blood, yes. Yes. And, And... I can't say lots of stories, but lots of stories. And some of it when I was traveling, and um, even with a friend, and some right here in Austin, we've had, there's a group that will sometimes come to the psychic stairs. And um, they've been around forever, and I don't know whether they come and go, but as psychics, when they walk in the room, like Yanni will say, they're here. I know they're here. Where are they? I mean, they have an energy about them that, that is unmistakable. And when we were in uh, Palenque for the harmonic conversion so long ago, right. we were with thousands of other people witness to ships hanging above the pyramid. I mean, you cannot, you can't fight with that. You can't. And what's interesting about that is that they showed themselves around the world, but the government did not want those pictures taken. 
and the proverbial men in black suits <laughs> walked around literally demanding film, huh. demanding film out of cameras. And some of the people in the public knew that was going to happen, and they buried stuff around the pyramid. And when everything settled down, went back and got their film. We, we just knew it. We knew it was going to happen. But you can't wow. deny it. I mean, thousands of us saw it. Right. Saw them. It was amazing. But yes, one-to-one, yes, I've had my experiences. And it wasn't scary. It was, That's been my fact, experience. I've never, like, I, I can't say that I've, you know, officially been abducted. Honestly, I don't remember one way or the other. But the things that I remember, you know, seeing ships and and uh, encountering some strange, unexplainable folks, um, it's never been scary at all. No, and, and I'm, I'm not one who's had them show up in my bedroom or, right. you know, anything like that. They, they, It's always been in a public place except when they came into my home. And when I make appointments for people, sometimes I get... Sometimes I don't make appointments with certain people. It's an energy thing. Mm-hmm. But one time in particular when I lived way out in the country, way out in the country, we were building a cabin. And in the meantime, we had purchased a little trailer to live in while that was happening. And got a phone call for a reading and felt uncomfortable with the guy. But at the same time, I felt like I'd be okay. But I called my neighbor and I said, would you mind come over and sit at the dining room table and just study while he's here? Okay. And I saw him walk up, and we lived in a we bought the cul-de-sac. We had uh, close to five acres, and and the way we were positioned, you had to have a car. And I looked up, and all of a sudden, he's walking towards the house, and I didn't see a car. But hmm. okay. And when he came to the door, I realized he had a combination. Whoever this person was had a combination of clothing time frame including a black trench coat and I'm going now this is in June and I'm thinking okay and he caught my eye introduced himself and he said I know he said I know I look weird right I said you look a little combination of styles but you're good when he shook my hand I got a shock and that happens every now and then with people you energy blend and throughout the reading I stopped and I said, you're not here for reading. Why are you here? You could be reading for me. What? Why? And he said, because number one, your energy synced with us, with us when we scanned over a hundred miles. I said, oh, you should have synced with tons of us. He said, we did. He never well. identified the we. <laughs> but when... I walked out to the edge of the cul-de-sac with him, and he said, you can't go any further. And I said, okay. Didn't ask why. Saw him walk, heard some dogs bark, turned around when I t- to see who it was, because we had several dogs, and they sounded anxious. They didn't. They, and then when I turned around to see how far he'd gotten, he no longer was in, on the road. Right. So... You know, I have several stories. We don't have time. Yeah. They've been here. But my thing in Palenque, that was phenomenal. That night was amazing. Yeah. 
Well, I have one last when question can... that came that came to mind, and I'm definitely going to have to have you back so that we can chat more. But um, I I know from personal experience uh, in talking with different folks and interacting with different folks who are empathic or are who are intuitive or whatever, um, especially if they haven't uh, developed those skills. Um, one of the common things that I often hear and have even experienced some myself is whenever you get into a situation and there's kind of like, um, like a, a floodback of negative energy, like feedback, like how do you protect yourself against picking up little creepy crawlies that you don't necessarily want or need? <laughs> creepy crawly. That's a good word. I love that. Um, <laughs> We teach people how to create a grid for themselves. And a grid, just think of a grid as being a bubble that you put around yourself. Okay. And as practitioners, we have to do that even before. I do it every day. And and I do it before a fair. Sometimes I do, because we're doing 15 to 30 minute readings, boom, 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 two to three days at a time. It's exhausting. Plus, right. everybody's bringing their junk. And I, I teach people, and I do it, how to sweep your chair so that the next person doesn't sit in somebody else's juices, so to speak. Yeah. But there are all kinds of grids that you can create. You can literally create a bubble, like a bubble bath bubble, or a chicken coop grid, or whatever your human familiarity is, is comfortable with. Some right. people walk around in clouds of smoke. We want the good stuff coming in, but good stuff, good and bad, is a matter of human judgment. Mm -hmm. And some That's people true. are comfortable with creepy crawlies. Some yeah. are not. Right. So it really is, if I'm really super tired and I've got to stop at my grocery store, I sit in the car for a minute and I grid. Because that just means if I walk in there, I am wide open for all kinds of creepies. And I, I don't imagine. need them. And I don't, they don't need my stuff. They don't right. need my junk either. So it's a it's a two way street here. We have to be considerate of other people's stuff that they don't even know they're getting. Mm -hmm. Further things from their mind. So we develop a protection method, a protection mode. You put your sunglasses on, you put your vest on when you go into the, the forest, you put sunscreen on. That's all a matter of protecting yourself. You have right. a right to protect your spirit and your being, your internal organs as well. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Kathleen says, uh, Elaine is great. Please do have her back. And I definitely oh. will. Thank and you, Irene is asking if you have a book. No. What do you want me to write? I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote a book years ago. <laughs> what does Kareem want me to write about? I'm sure just any of your experiences would be awesome. I know you and I have talked about products at different times. And, we'll uh, have to do that. We'll have to get yeah. more serious about that. Thank you, yep, Kareem. That's very kind of you to ask. I appreciate it. Well, we're I'm at the top to of the hour, folks. I hope you enjoyed um, our guest today. I know I did. And um, it's always fun talking about uh, things that are outside the mainstream, if you will. I, I think life can get really dry and boring uh, with just the 
the standard run-of-the-mill day. You know, we get like locked into this routine, I guess. And I love kicking the routine to the side and and inviting other uh, other points of view and other opinions in and other experiences because that's what I think uh, makes life exciting. You know, just really understanding um, how wonderful we all really are from a perspective of not all being the same. <laughs> you know, my world is so loosey-goosey and so different that when I or scientists or architects, I'm just in awe of how mm-hmm. their brain works. So it works, it works, it works both ways. Thank you yeah, all sure. for having, yeah, joined us today. Thank you for your trust and your interest, and I look forward to being to coming back again. Absolutely. Um, so that's all we have for today, folks. Thank you all very much for joining us on Nerded Scripted. Next week, I have no idea what we're going to be doing. It's called Nerd Unscripted for a reason. (laughs) So anyway, until the next show, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk again soon.